Matthew 6, 19-21 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, Noah. Brother Jason, I, I welcome you, and, and are you on? It's on, I think. The light is on. The light is yeah, on. But nobody's home. Story of my life. Well, give, give us the word. It will do. All we'll right. Do. Thanks for pray. calling me, brother. I can appreciate I, can, that. Can I pray? Absolutely. Please do. Lord, I, I bless this Alabama brother here, Lord, and use him, Lord, to um, expound the word of God to us. And Lord, let your Holy Spirit do the work in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Totally not related to what we're talking about this morning. Um, I do want to put in a quick plug for men's group that meets on Friday mornings. Um, it's in the bulletin. Uh, and honest to goodness, that is one of the highlights of my week each week. Uh, I love coming together with other men. Uh, we meet just right out here. We gather for a little while at 6 a.m., uh, yes, that is a.m., not p.m., 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday mornings. Uh, we have some high-octane coffee. We have a couple of donuts. Um, and then uh, we make our way back to a, a room back here, and we just dig into God's Word together. And so if you've not done that before, uh, or if you've done it and you've been gone for a while, uh, we would love to have you back. Um, know that we're off on this Friday. We're not going to meet on this Friday because it's uh, right after Thanksgiving. Uh, but we'll be back the first uh, Friday in December. The first Friday of each month, we actually have a speaker that comes. Uh, we have a full breakfast together, and we have somebody that just encourages us with a testimony, uh, a little bit about their life story, their faith journey, that sort of thing. Uh, so please, let me just throw that out there, uh, and maybe uh, God's laying that on your heart, that uh, that would be a good place for you to get involved, to get plugged in, uh, and join us on Friday mornings. Thanks for being here today. Uh, it's great to see a lot of folks here. Um, and what a wonderful time to think about gratitude and to talk about gratitude. Uh, and so if you'll bear with me for just a little while, I'd like to hit on that a little bit this morning. Now this fall, uh, my wife and I have actually spent quite a bit of time out in the North Dakota Badlands. Uh, we've been trying desperately uh, to let Kelly fill an elk tag that she got drawn for this year. Uh, so far, no success, but we have been out there a lot and have really enjoyed the beauty of God's creation, and we've gotten to make some neat relationships out there as well. One of the people that we met is a rancher out there, and he told us um, about a long time ago there was a cowboy that rode his horse 
all the way into town for church one morning. It was a Sunday morning. It was very snowy. It was very windy. It was about 20 miles into town, but he hopped on his horse and he rode all the way in. He got there, and it was just the cowboy and the pastor. The weather had kept pretty much everybody else away. And so the pastor looked at the cowboy and said, well, I guess we'll just call it. I guess we won't meet this morning. And the old cowboy said, well, pastor, uh, if I go out to feed my cattle and only one cow shows up, I still feed it. Preacher said, yeah, good point. So the preacher got up, and he stood up at the pulpit, and he really brought a sermon. I mean, he had point after point after point, and verse after verse after verse, and he really just laid it all out there. And two hours and 14 minutes later, when he concluded his sermon, he went down and he asked the cowboy, he said, well, what do you think? The cowboy looked at him and said, well, preacher... Just because one cow shows up, I don't give it the whole load. (laughs) So you may have looked ahead. Uh, You may have looked and you may have noticed that there are seven different points uh, in today's message. Uh, If you're looking there in the bulletin, if you're taking notes, you're like, wow, there's seven different lines. Uh, Rest assured, yes, there are several, but I'm not going to bring the whole load today. Uh, I know that I'm standing between you and a lovely meal. And it's been said already that uh, if you did not RSVP for this meal, know that you are welcome. If today is your first time, maybe at Calvary, or maybe you've just not been coming much, or maybe for whatever reason you did not RSVP, know that you are welcome at today's gratitude feast. You are welcome to join us. And so we would ask that you please do. Please stick around. Uh, There will be enough for everyone. I realize that I'm standing in between you and that, so uh, I'm not going to... uh, 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 take up excessive time, Uh, but there are some truths that I hope that we can explore together and some things that I hope we can explore together, Um, and I I think things will move along relatively quickly. Now, some of you already have put together, hey, we're probably going to talk about money today, and I think sometimes when people say, we're going to talk about money, even if we don't do it physically, cross our arms and kind of shut down a little bit, maybe mentally we do that. And I I might suggest that this is the reason for that. Sometimes I think that we think of our life as maybe a dresser or a chest of drawers. And so in all these different drawers, we have different aspects of our life, right? We have our relationship drawer, and we have our occupation drawer, and maybe we have our recreation drawer, and we even have a faith drawer. Maybe that's even the drawer at the top. We have a faith drawer. And so we expect when we go to church that somebody's going to open up that faith drawer and kind of peek in, and maybe the preacher's going to say some things or some songs will be sung that make us want to rearrange that drawer a little bit. And that makes sense. That seems to fit because it's faith and it's church and that's what we do. And maybe we have a relationship drawer, and maybe at church we'll peek in there because, okay, we could make a case for that. But that money drawer, eh, that money drawer is not... Somebody in church goes to open that drawer and they might get their fingers slammed in it, right? But I think maybe we're thinking about it a little bit incorrectly. Because might I submit to you that if we give our lives to Christ, if we give our lives to Jesus, if he is our Lord, then he's Lord of every part of our life. And so maybe if we reframe that just a little bit and we think of that chest of drawers as our life, and Christ in his lordship has complete rule over all he has complete rule over our faith yes he has complete rule over our relationships he has it over our occupation 
He has it over our money, over our finances, over our giving. So let me just encourage you to think of things from that perspective. Think of things in that way as we move through the topic this morning. Now, some people may be saying, well, I don't think that giving is an important topic. So let's think about this just briefly. If we look in the Bible, inspired holy word of God, if we look through there, we'll see just at a quick glance that the word believe is listed over 200 times. Seems to be important. If we see the word pray, we'll see that it's in there over 300 times. If we go further and we look at the word love, over 700 times. We get to the word give, over 2,000. And so if we think about what is important or what is, is laid out as important in God's word, I would submit to you that giving is very important in the word of God. So let's explore that in a few different areas quickly this morning. So number one, when we talk about generous giving, and we talk about giving generously and living generously, generous giving makes us more like God. And so, wait a minute, how does, how does that work? How does generous giving make us more like God? God, the maker, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, and everything in it, God is a giver. Well, why do we say that? What's the most well-known verse in the Bible? John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's certainly the one that jumps out most quickly, but lots of other places in Scripture we see examples of God giving. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. What about the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from where? Comes from above. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see the pattern? You see the pattern there? And that's just, that's just a few examples. There are many, 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 many examples of God being a giver. And so we won't try to hit every one of those instances today. But when we give generously, I would like to submit to you that we are following the example of God, and giving makes us more like him. Number two, I believe that generous giving draws us closer to God. You heard Noah read just a few moments ago. Jesus said in Matthew that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I put my money and my treasure into entertainment, then that's, that's where my heart is. Or if I invest everything that I own, and I invest all of my time and effort and resources into a bigger or a better or a nicer house or a fancier neighborhood, 
then that's where my treasure is. Or maybe it's in the automobile world. You know, maybe every couple of years I got to get the newest truck and the nicest truck and the fanciest truck and the biggest towing capacity and I spend so much time and effort and resources to attain that. Then that's where my treasure is. And that's where my heart is. I mean, we've all heard before the phrase, follow the money, right? If you want to know what's important to different groups or different individuals, if you want to know what is important about people, then you do what? You follow the money. And it shows uh, what is important to those different groups. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. So when we give generously to God, and we give generously to things that are important to him, like his church, then that's where our heart will be. And it draws us closer to God. Now, quite frankly, I think we could be done there. (laughs) If we talk about giving and we talk about generous giving and we know that it makes us more like God and it draws us closer to him, then quite frankly, that's all we need, (laughs) right? That should be sufficient for us. Um, There's a handful of more points (laughs) that I'd like to run through quickly. So we won't be done quite there yet. Um, But uh, I think those two, uh, by far, uh, are excellent reasons that we, as Christians, Uh, should consider being very, very generous. Number three, generous giving breaks the grip of materialism. It breaks the grip of materialism. Now, honestly, I believe that in the majority of the developed world, certainly here in the United States, I think we could make a case for materialism being the number one idol that people face. The number one idol, the number one thing that often gets in the way of God. God's biggest competitor, if you will. I mean, even back in the Ten Commandments, we're told, you shall have no other gods before me. Yet how many times are we tempted to put material things above him? Now, honestly, that can be a big, big struggle based on where in the world we live. I mean, look at just any advertising at all, whether it's in magazines, uh, whether it's in print, uh, whether it's online, um, whether it's uh, through social media, uh, the advertisements that we see each and every day. They pretty much just tell us that happiness can be purchased, right? I mean, if you, if you buy this, you'll be happy. Or if you buy that you'll feel satisfied. Or if you buy this or you buy that, people will find you handsome or people will find you beautiful. Right? All these things that the world promises. Just spend your money on that product. Some people might even say America uh, is a place where we celebrate life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. Well, how can we live in a materialistic world and not become affected by it? How can we be surrounded by that every single day from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed and and be receiving those messages all day long, no matter where we turn? How do we we live in that environment and yet not be affected by it? The best way to avoid it, I believe, is to be a generous giver. That That kind of seems just intuitive, right? Almost overly simplistic. To avoid the trap of materialism, we give generously. I would agree, that does seem rather simplistic, but that doesn't mean it's not true. 
uh, I had a, a perfect example of uh, very simple truths uh, just this morning. I was handed the microphone before people came in and we did a little test to make sure it worked and I was looking at it and kind of pressing the little button on the bottom, trying to tell if it's on or off. And I was told, well, if the light is on, the mic is on. And if the light is off, the mic is off. Very simplistic, isn't it? Almost absurd that that can be true, (laughs) with it being that simple. Yet we know that if we give generously, then we're, we're taking a stand, and we are consciously saying no to materialism. I'm not buying everything this world has to offer. I've been called to be different, and I'm making that choice. So we know that giving generously makes us more like God. Giving generously draws us closer to God. Giving generously breaks the grip of materialism. I would suggest to you, I would strongly suggest to you this morning, that generous giving is an essential way that we honor God. It's an essential way that we honor God. And you say, well, Jason, what does that mean? How does that work? Well, we know what it means to honor someone or to honor something, right? We hold that thing or we hold that person, we hold that entity, we hold that individual in high esteem, right? We hold them above others. They're very special. Something is set apart for them. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, if you want to just jot it down and come back and look later, Proverbs 3, 9, we're told, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. We're told to honor him with the first fruits, the best, not honor him with our leftovers. How would this be for an example? Let's say I wanted to honor you for your birthday. And I have two different ways I could honor you for your birthday. I could say, Dave, it's your birthday. And I want to honor you. I want to take you to your favorite restaurant and buy you a meal at your favorite restaurant just to honor you. That's one option. That sounds like, for many people, a pretty good way to be honored. What about this as an alternative? Dave, I want to honor you for your birthday. I'm going to go eat at my favorite restaurant. And if I have any leftovers, I'm bringing them to you. I'm going to ask for a doggy bag. I'm going to bring them home. You can stick them in the microwave, and it'll be just special for you. Right? Let me encourage you to give your first fruits to God. Honor him with generous giving right off the top. Right is right when the paycheck comes in. Right when the resources come in. Right when the resources are there. Right off the top. Give him the special part that is his before we do anything else with the rest of our money each month. If we look all the way back in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, we see the first instance of uh, the first recorded instance of people bringing sacrifices to God, bringing offerings to God. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Abel's gift was accepted. Why? It was the best portions, 
the first fruits right off the top. The special, just for you to honor you. Cain's gift was rejected. Why? It was some of his crops. It was kind of leftovers. Uh, the parts that remained. By, by being generous givers, and by giving God our first fruits, right off the top, the special part, our first and our best, we honor God in that way. Generous giving also strengthens our faith. Generous giving strengthens our faith. Do you want stronger faith? Then give. Why? It's a very practical way to show God that we trust him and that we trust his provision for our lives. It's one thing just to mentally say, "Mm, I trust you, God. It's another thing to take that step and to start in that direction and in a very real and very tangible way say, I am trusting you to provide for me. Very different things. But that action of taking that step can absolutely strengthen our faith. You heard a beautiful testimony moments ago from someone that, don't know who it is, but somebody who has seen time and time and time again that God meets our needs. I have a very quick testimony. I have actually a lot in that way, but just as a very quick example, when Kelly and I first got married, uh, we, like many people who uh, are starting out in life, we did not have much in the way of financial resources. Uh, I was a teacher in Octibaha County, Mississippi. If you've ever been there, let me just tell you, there's just not a lot of tax base, and teachers don't make very much. Uh, if, if <laughs> on a good month, I would make enough gas, or make enough money to buy enough gas to get back and forth to work, right? So we didn't have very much in the way of financial resources. Kelly was still a student at the time. Um, we lived in a rental, uh, one portion of a rental home, uh, so it was a, a home that had been divided into sections. We had the little narrow section right in the middle. Um, some fancy features of our home, if it rained, the roof leaked. That was kind of a nice, uh, nice uh, feature that we had. Uh, the bathroom floor was about like this. And so you could put a marble down and it would go, ooh, without even having to shove it at all. Uh, the bathroom actually was so small that you could use not only the tub uh, and the toilet and the sink uh, all at the same time. You didn't even have to move <laughs> to do that. You could do that uh, all from right there. Um, bonus feature we didn't know until after we moved in. It had raccoons in the attic. Okay? So we were living in a quality place, right? But as newlyweds, we said we want to honor God. And we want to honor God in our marriage. And we are going to make a point of tithing every month. That's what we're going to do. The first fruits right off the top, we're giving that to God, and we're going to trust that he's going to meet our needs as we have them. Well, one month, just like many people have experienced before, one month we had more expenses than we had income, right? Uh, We had more going out than we had coming in, and rent was coming due. And I didn't have the money to pay rent. And Kelly didn't have the money to pay rent. And we didn't know how we were going to pay rent. But we said, we are trusting God that he will provide. Well, Kelly, kind of from nowhere, goes, you know what? Years ago, my grandfather purchased some savings bonds for me. I wonder if I have those tucked away somewhere in a folder. And sure enough, she went and she looked, and she had savings bonds tucked away. And you know how much she had tucked away? 
rent. Right? God will provide all of our needs. Now, I'm not, I'm not wanting to say that that example is more extreme than what many of you have experienced. Not by any stretch of the imagination is that one small example more significant in any way than many people here with the needs, the financial needs that they have had, the financial needs that they currently have, the financial needs they're going to continue to have. And so I don't want to, to, uh, to try to gloss over that in any way. Um, but what I want you to understand is that the bottom line is God is going to provide all of our needs. And if we want to strengthen our faith, then we need to take a step and say, God, I'm going to trust you to do just that. Man, what a testimony. You talk to somebody who has been healed by God, what a great testimony, right? Not just saying, I believe God can heal people. No, no, I have lived it and I have experienced it. I have experienced God's healing, right? You want to know about real forgiveness, Talk to somebody who has been absolutely forgiven by God for some really, really, really atrocious things. What kind of testimony is that? I believe God can forgive. And I know he can because I've lived it, right? So let's do that with our finances. Let's do that with our giving. Let's give generously to God that which is God, and let's let that be our testimony. When we experience it, it makes that faith so much stronger. So let me encourage you, if you've not tested God in that way, then do it. In Malachi 3.10, God tells us, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there will be meat in my house. And then he says what? Prove me now. Test me in this. Try me on this. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that you'll not be able to receive it. Malachi 3. 10. So we know that generous giving makes us more like God. It draws us closer to God. It breaks that grip of materialism. It's an essential way that we honor God. It strengthens our faith. And two more quickly, it brings blessings to our lives. It brings blessings to our lives. Now let's be careful here and let's tread lightly. Uh, I want to be clear that today's message is not a prosperity gospel. There are some in the world who will say, um, you know, if you just will be faithful in your giving, then God will make you super wealthy because he says he's going to pour out blessings and so you will be able to buy a BMW and you will be able to live at the country club and you will be able to have a private jet and you will be able to do all these. And there are people that, that, that take that approach. I think that's a misinterpretation. I don't think that's correct. God does say that he will bring blessings to our lives, and God will pour out blessings. That's what it says in Malachi, Malachi 3.10. Bring the tithes in the storehouse and test me, prove me, try me. I will open the windows of heaven, and I will pour out a blessing that's so big that you won't be able to receive it. Will God pour out blessings? Yes, absolutely. They could be financial. Sure, God may choose to bless you in that way. But blessings come in other forms as well. Some are physical blessings. Others are spiritual blessings. Both are from God. I'm told that the word used for blessed is supposed to convey the idea of contentment or satisfaction. 
I'm told that the word blessed, that's, that's the, the original meaning or the original uh, wordage behind it, verbiage behind it means being content or being satisfied. What a great picture then we see in Malachi, right? Bring the tithes in the storehouse and test me. I will pour out so much satisfaction. I will pour out so much contentment, right? Press down, shaken, <laughs> cramming in more. My cup runneth over. So much satisfaction and contentment that you won't be able to handle it. Give generously for great blessing, contentment, and satisfaction. Did you know even non-Christians are aware of this? That even holds true in the non-Christian world. Carl Menninger. Now, I don't know Carl Menninger personally. I never met him. Uh, I don't know if he was a Christ follower. But Carl Menninger was a psychiatrist, and he founded the Menninger Clinic for the treatment of those with mental health concerns. And so he studied people, and he studied their mental health, and that's how he made his living. That was his legacy, was studying mental health concerns. Do you know what he said? He said, generosity is a criterion of mental health. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. Have you ever met a generous person who was unhappy or miserable? I mean, think about it. Think about the most generous people that you've known in your lifetime. Have you met any that are grumpy? (laughs) Have you met any that are unhappy with life? I haven't. Why? Because generous giving brings blessings. It brings contentment and satisfaction in our lives. So lastly, our last point, and then we'll, then we'll wind up. Generous giving is an investment for eternity. Remember what was read earlier, Noah read earlier from the book of Matthew, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, here's another scripture you can jot down if you want to go back and look at it later. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read these words. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You've heard it said you can't take it with you, right? That's true. You can't take it with you. But we can send it on ahead. (laughs) I heard a story of a guy who went to heaven, and he was looking at all the big mansions, street after street of big mansions of glory. And then he turned the corner, and he saw a little shack. And St. Peter said, well, here's your place. (laughs) And the guy said, am I supposed to live there? Why? And St. Peter said, well, that's all the building material you sent ahead. Ouch. Now, clearly, that's just an illustration, and I'm not trying to say that that is uh, uh, scripturally sound, that particular description. Um, But I do think it makes a good point. Things of this earth are going to pass away. Eternal things will not. 
So let me encourage us, Calvary. Let me encourage Calvary United Methodist. Let me encourage uh, Calvary African. Let me encourage us to invest all that we can in God's kingdom. Things of eternal value. Things of lasting value. I'll conclude with this thought. Sometimes I think that we as Christians can sort of get the mental attitude of, well, I am a Christ follower, so I have to give. I have to write a check. I have to take it to church. I have to give to, uh, to other um, missions, and I have to give, and I have to give, and that's what I have to do. Why? Because I'm a Christian, and it's expected of me. And, okay, maybe that's one way that people think. But I think, the, I think the wording is correct. I am a Christian, so I have to give. I think the wording there is correct, but I think the emphasis is all wrong. So consider this. Here's an example in my life. I'm married to Kelly. She's sitting right there, and if you don't know her, she's wearing purple, and she's beautiful. Um, I'm married to her. I could use the phrase, I am married to Kelly, so I have to spend time with her. And that would be accurate, right? But I think the emphasis, I think the words are right, but the emphasis is wrong. My wife is my favorite person. She is smart, and she is funny, and she's great with the kids, and she really compliments me very well as far as when we, when we communicate, and, and, and she's, I already said it, she's really good looking, right? Kelly is my wife, and I have to spend time with her. I just, I have to. The word's the same, but the emphasis is different. So let's think about it in our Christian lives. I am a Christian, so I have to give. You know what? I'm a Christian, and I am very, very grateful for the blessings I have received. I am very grateful that I can spend an eternity in heaven. I am very grateful that I have complete forgiveness of my sins. I got a lot of them. And they're forgiven. And I'm very, very grateful. And I'm very thankful I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I am a Christian and I have to give. I just, I have to give. I am, I am so, so thankful. And I've been given so much. And I want God's kingdom to just keep advancing in this world. And I want to invest in eternal things. I'm a Christian and I have to give. And so I would encourage you this morning to take those steps. I would encourage you, if this is, if this is new to you, and if, if your giving consists of the plate comes by once in a while and you see if you have a buck on you and drop it in, let me encourage you, test God in this way. Take that step. Step out in faith and go, you know what, God, I am going to commit. I'm going to, there's a percentage that's between you and God, and God, I'm going to determine that I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to invest in you and in your kingdom, and I'm going to invest in your glory, and I'm, every week, I'm going to write my check. And so it's going to be for, whatever, it's going to be for 5%. Am I, that's what I'm going to, I'm testing, I'm trying, it's new to me, I'm going to give it a shot. Just try it. Just try it. Let me encourage you to try it. 
Maybe some of you have been giving for a long time, and maybe it's been ingrained from you from the time you were a little toddler that you take an envelope to church and you've got some money in it, and you throw it, and, and you have your tithes and your 10% every single time right off the top, and that's the way you do it, and you just think everybody ought to do that, and you can't figure out why they don't. And here we go. Everybody's tithing, right? Let me encourage you. Between you and God, is he calling for something more than that? Is he calling? Has he blessed you in such a way that, man, you can just, you can give, and you can give, and you can give, and you can give, and you can tithe, and offerings, and tithes, and offerings. Maybe that's what God is wanting you to do. There are people in this world that reverse tithe. They say, God, I'm going to live on 10% of what you give me, and 90% of it, I'm giving away. John Wesley, very instrumental in the founding of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, he said, I can live on this much. And his salary grew and grew and grew and grew, and he kept living on this much. When he died, his will, it consisted of giving away a handful of coins left in his pocket. (laughs) He actually was making so much money that uh, the government wrote him and said, we believe that uh, at, at, at your level... You probably have a lot of silverware, like actual silver, you know, back in the day, silverware, that you're not paying an excise tax on. Because a man of, of your income level, you really, uh, you ought to be paying some more taxes on this, this excise tax on these goods that you probably have. And he wrote back and he goes, I've got a fork and I've got a spoon. And that's all I'm going to have as long as I'm looking around me and seeing people that don't have bread to eat. And so I don't know where your financial situation is. I don't know what your conversation with God has been. I don't know what it is this morning. But let me encourage you, encourage you to open up that money drawer. (laughs) Let God look in there. Let him offer some suggestions, right? Talk to him and see what he would have for you and what he would have for us as his church this morning. I'm a Christian that's why I have to give. I just, I just have to. Let's pray together. God, thank you. God, this month we've been focusing on gratitude. We've talked about gratitude. We've had testimonies of people that are so grateful. And God, we are. We are so grateful. God, we all deserve hell. But you sent your son as a sacrifice for us, as a sacrifice for our sins, so that our relationship could be made right with you. And God, we're so, so thankful and so grateful for that. God, be with us uh, as we uh, wind up here, as we talk about our, uh, our commitment cards here in a moment, our estimated giving cards. God, we just... We just pray that you would speak to each of us individually. God, we pray that we would uh, have soft hearts, moldable hearts. And God, we pray that we would just do what you would have us do. In your name we pray. Amen.